Our topic this week is out of the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, Nehemiah's Petition. Verse 1, it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took wine and gave it to the king. This is Nehemiah in chapter 1. We learned that Nehemiah was a cupbearer, and so here he's saying the king is having a dinner, uh, and he is, has food brought to him, wine brought to him, and so Nehemiah is doing his job and bringing the wine to the king. And it's in the month of Nisan. Now in chapter 1, it told us it was the month of Kislev when chapter 1 was taking place, and uh, Hanukkah takes place in the month of Kislev. And so now it's Nisan. Well, Nisan is when Passover takes place. So from Hanukkah time to today's Hanukkah time, Hanukkah wasn't there in Nehemiah's time, from Hanukkah time to Passover time. So about four months, kind of give you a span of time from when Nehemiah first heard, when people came from Jerusalem and spoke with him and told him that the walls were still broken down in many places, that the gates were still burned up, and that the uh, there was people were in distress and under reproach because of enemies that were harassing them. And this is about, I think, around 12 years since Ezra had gone from Medo-Persia under King Artaxerxes' uh, decree and permission to go and to uh, restore and build up Jerusalem and to finish the work. And so now here, 12 years later, and it's still not done. And so Nehemiah hears about that, and he's distraught. He begins to pray with deep searching of heart and confession of sin, and praying and interceding for the people. And so now we're here four months later, and he's been praying, it seems, all of this time, as we'll see here through this chapter. So he comes to bring the wine to the king, and I had never before been in the presence, I'd never been in sad in the presence, in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. So it's now showing on his face, this days of fasting uh, on and off and praying and concern. And he's tried to put on a happy face for the king and tried to serve cheerfully, uh, the best he can, but after these months and after this continued weighing upon his heart, it's now beginning to show, and the king sees it. Now the king was no doubt trained from childhood to read people's face, read people's body language, because his life is going to be on the line. So if someone is showing some signs of nervousness or sadness, it could be for many different reasons, it could be as the king's cupbearer, it's his job to make sure that no poison is coming through the cups and going to kill the king. And so maybe uh, Nehemiah knows of a plot to kill the king and maybe he's in on it and maybe he's planning on allowing something. And so it's, he's nervous about it, he's, he's worried about it and it's beginning to show on his face so the king is, is concerned. And so he's dreadfully afraid because if the king believes that's the case for him being sad, well, then it would be his head. Right? We have to go all the way back to Egypt and, and the case with Joseph being in prison. And there in the prison is the cupbearer and bread maker. Somehow they came out of line with the king and they ended up in prison. One of them ends up getting killed, executed as a result. So 
Here it's still, he's dreadfully afraid what the king might think, what the king might um, say regarding him. And he's supposed to be, again, happiness, happy, happy, happy. Everything's a good day within the palace, right? We don't want to hear any gloom. We want to hear any bad news. And we saw that with Esther. She didn't even know what was going on outside. And uh, she hears of Mordecai crying, so she sends him clean clothes. Oh, no, you can't be sad around, around the palace. Uh, we all have to be uh, wearing our... Uh, shirts with little smiley faces, don't worry, be happy, in total denial. And so he's now dreadfully afraid because the king could be upset just that he's sad in his presence. The king could get upset uh, if, he, if the king believes that he's in on a plot, that he knows something that he's not revealing. And so he is dreadfully afraid. And he might be dreadfully afraid of, of actually sharing what is on his heart. Because if the king knows what's really on his heart, well, your loyalty is not here in the capital where you're supposed to be serving. Yes, it's within the kingdom, but it's hundreds if not thousands of miles away. And I don't want you to be worrying and thinking about that. That's my job. You just serve the Jews and you just be happy here in the court. And so the king might not be happy to hear that his mind is not on his job. So he's dreadfully, not just afraid, but dreadfully afraid, and again with good reason, it could mean his life. Not just, okay, we're just going to uh, give you a demerit, we're just not going to, you know, we'll give you a warning, uh, not just going to fire you and you can find some job somewhere else. Uh, if he needs to be demoted, he knows too much, he's been on the king's inner circle, he knows too much about the family, he knows too much about the inner workings, we can't let him just go out into the public, and so he might either have to be quarantined in a prison or uh, even possibly executed for if it's believed he's been disloyal. So I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? So he tells it like it is. He tells what's on his heart. Starts off with, may the king live forever, right? That was a popular thing, right? You, know, you want to, you know, live forever. And I don't know why they kept on saying that. I mean, eventually they knew the kings don't live forever, right? His father didn't live forever. The guy before him didn't live forever. You think eventually they figure, well, why don't you say, king, may you live a long time, right? No, but king, you may live forever. I guess that's what they wanted to heard. So that's what he says. King, may you live forever. And then he tells him what's really on his heart. Which is a good thing, because if he would have tried to lie, the king might have seen right through that, and then he really would have been in trouble. But even this is risky. To say that he's mourning because the king's, the city within the king's uh, capital that uh, 12 years ago he made a command to get it straightened out, and it hasn't been done yet. It could, get, could go sour. But he tells it like it is. He reveals what's on his heart. And so Nehemiah is demonstrating that this has been bothering him for four months. He's been praying about it. He's been concerned about it. It wasn't just like, well, he heard about it. That's a sad thing. Well, that's not in my town. Like when Hezekiah got the bad news that Babylon was going to come a couple generations later, he was like, well, at least it's not going to come in my day. <laughs> Too bad on my kids and grandkids, but nonetheless, I'll be okay. And Nehemiah took this to heart. He didn't just say, well, that's Jerusalem. I'm here. I got a good job. I'm in the palace. Things are okay here. 
I live in sunny Florida. Everything's okay here. Well, you know, tough luck on over the, those guys over there. No, he's concerned. He's burdened. And we should be burdened for other people as well, and not just a passing thought. But he's been praying about it, and so much so, even when he's trying to put on a good face for the king, it's showing through what's really on his heart. And when he has an opportunity to share, it just floods out, flows out of him. I'm sad because my city, the place of my father's tombs, lies in waste, and its gates are burned with fire. The king said to me, what do you request? Well, that's a good sign. King didn't just shut him off right there. King didn't just denounce him right then and there. Why do you think the king asked, what is your request? What moved upon the king to inquire? What are your thoughts regarding this situation? What do you request regarding this situation? Was it because the king was such a nice guy? Was it because the king cared so much about Jerusalem? Or was it four months of praying that prepared the heart of the king for this very moment. Now, sometimes we don't know why God doesn't answer our prayers right away, why they last four months, four days, four weeks, four years, four decades, 400 years in the case of being in Egypt, why there's sometimes a delay. But God has no haste nor delay. The timing of his answer to prayers are always right on time. There are various circumstances, situations. The king's heart had to be right. Nehemiah's heart had to be right. God might have testing him to see whether or not he really was in on this. Now, it's one thing, again, to be sad for a day or for a week or for a month. But did he stay burdened for this? Was this really what was on his heart? So Nehemiah was revealing to himself, to God, to the universe where his loyalties were, where his heart was. And then there's the battle with Satan that goes on behind the scenes. We have Daniel praying, and I think it's Daniel chapter 10, where he's praying and Gabriel comes and reveals to him that there's this battle, the prince of the powers of the other prince of Persia is resisting there's a resistance that goes on in our prayers. God wants to answer, but he wants the right timing, but there's a resistance. Satan doesn't want prayers answered. And so it takes persistency in praying. And Nehemiah was persistent. And here is the beginning of that result. What is your request? Door has been opened. The king's heart has been softened. The Holy Spirit went before Nehemiah. Heavenly angels were no doubt in the presence there moving upon the king's heart, revealing Nehemiah's face and gaining favor, giving favor between the king and Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is even concerned and asks and then uh, inquires, well, what is your request? What is it that you want? We need to be consistent in prayer, persistent in prayer. Yeshua told a parable of... Um, a unrighteous judge and this widow comes to him with a request 
and he doesn't want to hear it, and she comes again, he doesn't want to hear it, she keeps coming, he doesn't want to hear it, she keeps coming, and eventually he says, all right, I'm going to hear your request, not because I'm a righteous judge, but to get you off my back, basically, I'm paraphrasing. And God is not an unrighteous judge, it's not that God doesn't want to hear, but Yeshua gives us an analogy on how we still need to continue in persistent prayer and never give up. Not the same words over and over again, but it should be on our heart. And praying from different angles in different ways and continually praying and pressing the truth home, the need home, the message home. Again, for heaven, for God, but not so much for God, but for us. So that we help, it helps us see it from all angles if we're praying every aspect of it. And so it's important for us to continue and be in continual prayer, praying without ceasing. And then, so what does Nehemiah do? Verse 4, so I prayed to the God of heaven. And so Nehemiah is a man of prayer. He continues to pray. He's been praying for four months. And now here he's in the midst of a conversation with the king. And he said, wait a second. Okay, you want to know my request? Hold on a second. I have to go get my prayer shawl. I have to run out to the chariot there and get the prayer shawl. And, and uh, give me a few minutes. And I'm going to go pray. And then I'll, I'll get my prayer book and I'll be back with you. And that's what you, is that what you're picturing there in, in the scene there? Or as well as he's talking, he's praying at the same time. Is it possible to do that? Is it possible to talk to one person and be praying at the same time? Yes. Have an attitude of prayer. Breathing prayer. Prayer like the breath of the soul. And we're just totally in tune with God. Totally dependent upon God. God, hear my prayer. God, help me in this situation. God, answer Give me wisdom to know. Give him the right heart. Right? So instantaneously, no matter where we are, everywhere, anywhere, at all times, we need to be in an attitude of prayer and be continually praying. This is revealing Nehemiah's dependency on God. His other sense of his helplessness, not trusting in his wisdom and his friendship and his good deeds and his his reputation that he built up with the king, not trusting in his oratory ability to present the case, but trusting God. And we need to have that kind of attitude, whatever we're going through. And here he's talking to the most powerful man on earth, probably at that time. And he's asking that request. I don't know if anyone here has had that kind of an opportunity to speak to the most powerful person in the world at this time in earth's history. I don't know. I haven't. <laughs> but maybe someone who's most powerful in your life, maybe your boss, maybe a mayor, maybe a judge, maybe a police officer, whoever it is at that point in time who can change your life, your principal, someone who can impact your life for good or for evil, code enforcement or uh, homeowners association. And there he is, and he's praying. And we can always be in prayer at all times. Maybe it's unexpected. Someone just comes to you out of the blue, right? There you are, just going to buy something in a store, and then all of a sudden a confrontation takes place, questioning you on this or that. Be in prayer, always 
in pray. Always in an attitude of prayer. When I was uh, just fairly new believer, um, I was wondering if God was most important to me. If he would be the last thing that'd be on my thoughts, if, you know, if it came down to that, would I trust him in an emergency? Well, while I was having those thoughts within that day or so, I was driving home, it was late at night, I was driving home on these mountain roads, and it wasn't flat Florida, and it wasn't sunny paved roads Florida, it was snowy and icy and, and uh, cold and dark, and mountainy and turns and twists and turns, and I was going around a turn, and the car began to slide, and I hit the bank, and it was a snow bank, and the rail was totally covered in snow, buried in snow. And the car went up the ramp, up the snow, and over the other side of the, uh, of the rail, and I cried out, Lord, help me! <laughs> and the car then landed with, uh, with one tire on, other, on the other side of the rail, and three on, on the good side of the rail, and uh, it was stuck. <laughs> I was stuck there. And it was before cell phones or anything like that. And, but uh, fortunately, I was safe. I was able to get help. And they were able to tow me out of there and get me out of there eventually and, and get back to safety. But it was an answer to prayer, an answer to my thoughts. That on the last moment, without time to think, that God would be on my mind. An attitude of prayer at all times. It's good to be praying before, during, throughout and after situations, all situations. So we need to start each day with prayer, have a lifestyle that's set up for prayer. Before we start any endeavor, whether it's changing a light bulb or going for a drive or eating a meal or preparing the meal, Lord, help me, guide me, give me safety, make this come out good, make this come out right, keep my eyes on you, my mind on you while I'm doing this. May it be a blessing to whoever I'm going to be helping or doing or serving. Here will be done in this. So we need to be in prayer at all times. Even the simplest thing, just cooking a meal, we can end up burning ourselves, causing a fire. We need to be in an attitude of prayer. But I've done too many simple jobs, it'd be two second jobs, and the screw strip or something like that, and it'd become hours and hours uh, of a problem. Have an attitude of dependency on God, trusting in Him at all times and in all ways. And coming before the king, presenting our request. This past week in St. Petersburg, a lady down there, she uh, applied for a new job and prayed through that. And she went through the interviews and she got hired for the job. Praise the Lord. We are very thankful for that. And they scheduled her to work on several different days of the week, including on Sabbath. And so she wanted to go talk to them about that. And she called me for prayer and advice. And we talked it through and told her the steps to take. And, and if it gets to a certain step, to let me know. And I can write a letter. And told her the laws uh, in our state that uh, would give her Sabbaths off and she can present. And so we prayed. And she went and she presented it before uh, her immediate supervisor. That was what we told her to do, and if it needs to, go up the steps, up the, up the line, and praise the Lord. They said, no problem. They adjusted her uh, schedule and gave her 
the Sabbath off, like Nehemiah coming before the king. Now, where's the miracle in that story? Where's the miracle? God working in the heart of her boss? Yes, but where is the more important miracle? Prayer, prayer yes, answer to prayer, but where's the more important miracle of it? Yes, it's an answer to prayer. What part is the answer to prayer? God's intervention. God's intervention. What's that? Yes, she gets to go to services, right? In her own heart, that's the miracle. That's the miracle that God worked on her heart first. That's where it starts. That she wanted to go to services, that she wanted to have the Sabbath, that she wanted to spend time with God, that she felt convicted on God's word, because that's not normal, that's not natural. We're not born with a nature that wants to serve God. We're born with a nature that doesn't want to serve God, that wants to serve just self, to make more money, to make as much money as we want, to be obedient to whoever, and to go, get along and go along. But she wanted to serve God. She wanted to put God first. And so praise the Lord. That was the first miracle, God moving upon her. And then having the courage and the willingness to again give up the day, to give up the, the, the salary, and possibly lose the job. But you put God first. And then the courage to go and speak to the boss. And so that was another miracle. And then, yes, the boss giving her permission. God working in answer to prayer all along the way. God is alive. He answers prayer. And so Nehemiah is praying again, Lord, what am I gonna, speak, speak through me. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. So some of the similar words to the book of Esther. If it pleases the king, if I have found favor in your sight, Right? So this must have been the, the handbook on how to address the king. <laughs> he starts humbly. He comes humbly before the king. Even though he's already spoken to the king above all kings, even though his trust is in God, even though he's been praying for four months and he knows that God is almighty and over the entire universe, even though the king has already given permission 12 years earlier, he's still humble if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. So obviously he's been thinking about this. And so there again, the four months, God giving the four months, God giving the time, so that Nehemiah is not only in prayer, but he's in plan. He's in prayer planning. He's not only petitioning God, but he's listening to God. And God is impressing his mind and impressing his heart what he should do. He's, he's, the king says, so what is your request? He doesn't say, well, just send some more money over there or send someone over there to get them going. Or send someone to investigate this. He says, send me. Lord, send me. Are we willing to be sent by God? God said to you, whom shall I send? Would we be willing to say, Lord, use me. Use me to speak to my neighbor. Use me to speak to my family members. Use me to speak in my workplace. Use me to speak at school. Use me to speak to 
those I come in contact with. Make me a living testimony for you. Use me to win people for your kingdom. Are we just praying, expecting God's going to do it all? God, send food to that area where there's a famine taking place or where there's been a hurricane or a disaster. Lord, straighten out Congress. Lord, do something here. Lord, deal with my nasty neighbors. Lord, deal with these people at work. Are we willing to say, Lord, use me? Most often, God uses humans. Very rarely do we have angelic intervention taking place in the Bible or, or now. It's God using people. And Nehemiah was willing. And he says to the king, let me go to Judah that I may rebuild it. He's not only in prayer, but he's praying, listening, and planning. And we need to have a plan in place. We can fall into either two ditches on either side of the balance of walking with the Lord, where we're just praying and just kind of floating along, just expecting, well, I'm praying for a job, and I'll just wait for it to fall down from heaven onto me. You know, but we have to have a plan too. Praying for a job, and Lord, what career, what do you want, what schooling do I need? How can I sharpen my resume? I should write a resume, I should put in some applications. Right? Working along with the Lord, by his power, by his grace, with a plan in place. Nehemiah had a plan in place. It wasn't just praying, but he was praying and planning. And thus, when the door opened up, he was ready with an answer to give. What if the king said, well, what do you request? And he said, I don't know. I've just been praying about it. Something needs to be done over there. They told me that there's walls are broken down, the gates are broken down. I don't know. Do something, king. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to suggest. But look, I've been praying about this, and something needs to be done. What do you think the king would say? Go get me some more wine. That's exactly what I was thinking. Give me some, and why don't you have a sip too, right? Why don't you have a cup too? Because <laughs> you need it, <laughs> right? And nothing would have happened, right? But he was ready to act upon the burden that God placed on his heart. We should have a burden for the lost, and we should be willing to sharpen our skills to be used by the Lord in helping to reach the lost. We pray, Lord, come soon, Lord, come soon. Well, he's not coming until all the world has an opportunity to hear the gospel. God wants to use us in sharing the gospel with those we come in contact with. And so that's one aspect, to just pray and just float along and just wing it as it goes along. And then there's others who are just planning and planning and planning in such detail that there's no room to manipulate, hear the Holy Spirit, change it all, and not dependent on God and not in prayer. This is how it's going to be. We're going to do this. I'm going to write this sermon. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Going to do this, going to do this. It needs to be a combination of both. Prayer with a plan, but willing to be flexible in that plan as God leads, as the Holy Spirit impresses, as circumstances and situations change or manipulate it. And work with the Lord and be in tune with the Lord. I spoke to another person this week and they're giving me testimony, uh, praising God. They, uh, they went for a ride and while they were driving, down the road, they felt very impressed. They pray before they drive, and they felt very impressed to go back home and uh, that 
They just felt impressed. They didn't know what, something was wrong in the garage, she thought. And so, obedient to the Holy Spirit's impression, answered a prayer, she turned around, went back, opened the car, garage door, looked around. Everything seemed somewhat normal, but then she noticed that she had something plugged in, one of these uh, resistors, and she went over and touched it, and it was very hot. She shut it off, unplugged it, and could have caused a fire. That could have been the issue. Or God knows, maybe we'll find out in eternity. Maybe there's something else. It spared her an accident, something. But she prayed and then listened to the Holy Spirit and was willing to be flexible enough to change her plans and go and follow the Lord and be obedient to Him. So a balance of both, having a plan and listening to the Lord and being in tune with God's Spirit moving upon our hearts and minds. And we see this demonstrated in Nehemiah. That he had this communion with God even as he's talking, this listening as he's acting. And we can have that too. And a willingness to go. The king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. Praise the Lord. King says, okay, you want to go? This is, going to, this is a sacrifice for the king. It, it's taken, no doubt, years to build up a trust, to know that Nehemiah can trust him bringing me food, that he's going to have my back, he's going to protect me, and now he's going to let him go. He's going to have to train someone else. And for a very, very important job. That's not easy to come by. But the king is willing. Why was the king willing? Four months of praying <laughs> softened the king's heart and made him willing. Plus Nehemiah's character, Nehemiah's interaction with the king for however long he worked there, building up trust with the king. The king believes this guy, he's, he could do this. I believe he can get this job done. He's been very diligent here, very faithful here. I bet if I send him over there with some funds, he'll get those walls built. His character has shown forth over time, like Joseph's. As we allow God to move on our hearts and minds and stand for our faith and are consistent in our walk with God, allowing to be demonstrated in our lives, people will see it. And God will get the honor and glory. And so he says, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? King wants some parameters. He might say, if it pleases the king to send me, and I set a time. Or he said, it pleased the king and I set a time. So he was ready. He was ready with his answers. He had a time in mind already. Again, he had a plan in place. Go and send me so I can build the walls. And I'm thinking it'll take this much time to get there. I've already thought it through and I'll need to be there this long. And then I'll be able to come back. He was thinking about it. We need to have goals and plans as we move through life. Not just floating through life. A lot of people just float through, they don't have a spending plan, they have no idea where they're gonna spend their money this month, they have no idea at the end of the month where it went. No time schedule, no plan at all. You just float through. You need to have a purpose and a plan. Adjustable by, with God, day by day, moment by moment. But Nehemiah had an idea where he was going and when. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river 
that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph the kicker of the king's forest that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel which pertains to the temple, for the city and the wall, and for the houses that I will occupy. If you haven't believed me thus far that he had a plan in place, I think this kind of proves it, right? He knew what he was going to do, who was going to do it, send me. He knew a time frame and everything he needed. I need a letter to make it there, permission to get past this person and this person. I need timber from this person, specific name in mind, this specific forest. And these are what needs to be done. These walls, these doors, this is what needs to be done. Praying does not supersede or, or nullify the need for planning. And planning definitely means we have a need for prayer. They work hand in hand together. Not just floating along. Some people say they don't like organized religion. Well, the other, only other option is disorganized religion, right? God is a God of order, right? He has an order, and you got to have a plan in place to reach the world. Share God's truth. Not just floating by the seat of our pants and thinking the gospel is going to go to the world. Oh, we might have a nice you know, time together, do occasional thing here or there, but it's not going to take the gospel to the world. It's not going to impact the world for God. And when we're just floating around, playing around, Satan is at work to stop and to thwart and to kill people and to bring them down to partition with him. So God has a plan, and he wants us to be in harmony with that plan, to be listening to that plan, and be willing to work in his plan. Verse 8, And the king granted me and granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. He got everything he asked for. He has to leave his job, to go to his, on vacation in Jerusalem, <laughs> to go to the city of his fathers, to build the walls, to receive letters for this much time, to receive timber and all the necessary items. And the king seems to have said yes to everything. King granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. He gives glory to God. So he's in prayer before, he's in prayer during, and he's in prayer afterwards. What a great example of a life lived out for God. Too often we forget to thank God when God answers prayer. It's too easy to just move along after we've been praying and praying and praying. But it's important for us to pause and give praise and thanks to the Lord with a testimony to tell others. That's why we end our service with a praise and give people opportunity to praise the Lord and, and tell what God has done in their life, what they're celebrating this week. It's important for us to do that. Important to write it down, have a booklet of answers to prayer, booklet of praise, what God has done It's important and to show demonstration of thanks to God. Make an offering, extra offering, and thanks to God, however it is. Another story just this week. A lady called me and she was having an emergency. She was crying on the phone. She was driving in her car. Uh, her sister was, uh, had been sick and 
Now her sister wasn't answering the phone, and so had a high fever, and then wasn't answering the phone anymore, and so she was very concerned and fearful what had happened, didn't know what had happened, and so she, she called me so we can pray together, and we prayed, and then we talked through what, what she could do, what she needed to do. She, she wanted to take control of the situation, get things under control. And so sister, before she wasn't answering the phone anymore, said she didn't want to go to the hospital and wasn't going to call the hospital. And so she was very nervous. And uh, she was in tears and panicking. And so she got under control, had a plan in place. Again, we already prayed. And then she uh, drove over to her sister's house to see what this emergency was. And it did turn out it was an emergency. Sister was very sick. And she called me after, she got under control, got the doors opened up, got an ambulance to come and take her sister to the hospital. And they um, admitted her and got her stabilized. Then she called me to tell me. And she told me what had happened and was very thankful for that and, and uh, gave me all the details. And, and then we almost hung up the phone together. And then I thought, well, we need to stop and we need to praise God. We need to thank God. She said, oh yes, yeah, certainly. It's so easy just to Keep, you know, just move on. It's so important for us to pause and thank the Lord for what he has done. And that's what Nehemiah does. He gives glory to God. Because of the good hand of my God upon me. And in everything, the end of our journey in heaven, I'll say, I am here because of the good hand of my God upon me. He won't say because I was so good to the king and because I was such a good worker and because I, I, had, I said the right words and I had such a good plan in place. But because of the good hand of my God upon me. And so in everything, in all places, at all times, glory to God for everything we do. Any good that's done through us is because of the good hand of my God upon me. And that's the type of attitude we need to have all the time. An attitude like Nehemiah had that had a burden for the people of Jerusalem. People he didn't even know. People he never saw. He had a burden for them. That's the heart of God. He had an attitude of prayer. Dependency on God. Praying consistently, persistently for months. Praying in the midst of a conversation. Not trusting in himself. Trusting in the Lord. And then an attitude of praise and thanks to God. Still dependent on God and giving glory to God. That's the type of character we can have as we surrender all to the Lord. Day by day, moment by moment, and let him work in our lives. And so as we prepare to pray, if you have not been in the habit of daily praying, of having a prayer time each day, starting every day, dependent on God, starting each day with surrender to the Lord, allowing him to lay out the plans, allowing him to modify whatever plans you had from the day before, trusting in him. If that applies to you, if you haven't been on a daily prayer schedule, then the moment when we pray, ask God to put you on that, to hold you to that, to wake you up if necessary earlier than usual get you on a prayer schedule, hold you to that commitment.
Secondly, if you maybe have had morning prayers, but then you just kind of go along without dependency on God from there on, right? So God created the earth, he kicked it into place, and now it's up to us, right? So that's how your attitude day by day is. And you've seen where times where you needed prayer right in the middle of things, and you hadn't prayed. And you want God to be instant in prayer in your mind all the time. Have an attitude of prayer being uh, in prayer at all times, Paul talks about. Praying continually. And again, that comes from the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into your mind and heart and make you like him. Third, if there have been times where you have forgotten to thank God for what he has done in your life. Thank, forgot to thank him for answered prayer. Thank him for everything he's done. And again, the moment when we pray, we can thank him for his good work in you. If you have, don't have a burden on your heart, a burden for the lost, like Nehemiah had, ask God to give you a burden for your neighbors, ask God to give you a burden for your family, for people that you come in contact with, whether in the congregation or, or at work, school, wherever you're at. Ask God to place a burden on your heart that you can be praying, not just praying for yourself, but praying for others. Fifth, if... Maybe you've been praying for others, but no plan in place on how God can use you. You see that there's a lot of needs in the world, a lot has to change, a lot has to happen. If you're willing to say, Lord, send me, that I may go and build the walls, that I may go and build the gates. In a moment when we pray, ask the Lord to give him permission to work through you by you. And another aspect of this sermon, I forgot, the most important aspect of this sermon is how Nehemiah reflects Yeshua. Because we are the temple of the Lord. We, as a congregation, as the people of God, are a city, the city of God. It's not the walls, it's not the buildings, it's not the stone, the Jerusalem stone, it's the people that are the city of God. And we are broken down. We've got broken sections. We've got broken doors. The enemy comes in and attacks all the time. We are under reproach. We are in distress. We've been broken through situations in our lives. We've been broken from our childhood. We've been broken through our adulthood to various different people we've come in contact with. We've been hammered with negativity and the devil putting negative thoughts in our minds, tearing us down, accusing us, We've had plans to be built up, and the walls are still not fully built up. There are weak places in the family of God. And Yeshua is coming before the Father, saying, I want to go down there. I want to go to my people. I want to tabernacle with them. I want to be Emmanuel. I want to be God with them. I want to go there and help build the wall. I want to build the wall. And the father sent him. The father let him go for how long? 33 years. Let me go for 33 years. And I'll come back. <laughs> and Yeshua came to this earth to dwell in the flesh, to minister to us, to be one with us, to become a part of us. Didn't just send angels to our side, but he came as well. To dwell with us, to know our infirmities, to know what it's like to be broken, to know what it's like to be bruised, 
to know what it's like to be pierced, to know what it's like to be rejected, forgotten, hated, misunderstood. He became broken for us so that he can build us up, so that he can build the city up. And he's going to build the city up because he's coming for a perfect bride. He's coming for a bride without spot, without wrinkle. He's coming for a transformed bride, a united bride, solid in the Lord, built up with him as the chief cornerstone, we as fit stones building up the temple of the Lord. And so he's coming and he's coming back for us. So if you want to be part of that, building up the walls of the Lord with him, united with him, and building up the family of God, building up the congregation of God, then a moment when we pray, say, Lord, I am willing, use me. Use me. Use my time, use my talents. Use my mind and my thoughts and my resources. I'm at your disposal. Use me. So whatever area applies to you from those things, or maybe some other area God's speaking to your heart and mind about, let us pray and let God do his work in us. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we are thankful for Nehemiah. We're thankful for the power of his testimony. We're thankful, Lord, for his humble life before you. Lord, make us that way. Give us a spirit. Give us a burden for the lost. Give us a spirit that prays for them and intercedes for them. Give us a spirit that's willing to be used by you in ministering and finishing your work. Give us a spirit that's willing to build up and to help build up your temple here on earth so you can come to take us home with you. Give us a spirit that's dependent in prayer at all times, is breathing prayer continually without ceasing. And give us praise. Give us praise to you and thanks to you. We do give you all the honor and glory and praise for all things. And give us a plan and press our minds and hearts Keep us from turning to the right hand or the left. This is the way, walk ye in it. We want to hear your voice. We want to be directed by you. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.